welcome back to Then Again, the podcast at the Northeast Georgia History Center. I am Marie Walker, the director of the Ada May Ivester Education Center here. And today I have the absolutely wonderful guest of Sarah Atley. Hi, Sarah. Hello, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. And today we are going to be talking about the history of quilts and quilting. So the history of quilting can be traced back to at least the medieval times. The Victorian Albert Museum in Great Britain has early examples in its collection from Europe, India, and the Far East. The earliest quilting was used primarily as bed coverings, and very fine quilts are often mentioned in medieval inventories and frequently became family heirlooms being passed down from generation to generation. So there's a long, long history of quilts, which are, is very interesting. And when today we have a quilter with us, a professional quilter, Sarah Atley, who I, I'm just interested, Sarah, how did you get interested in quilting this very old tradition? And just how did you come into it? Well, that's a great question. And it's a, it's a little bit of a non-linear path. <laughs> I, I grew up with a sewing machine in the house. You know, both of my parents knew how to sew and they made their own clothes, made their own quilts for the bed, curtains, just stuff like that around the house house. And also visual art was a regular part of our normal life at home. My father was a potter, among other things. So we had handmade dishes. My mother is a graphic designer. So that was kind of my home environment. Creativity was all around us. So as I was growing up, I was mainly interested in drawing and painting. And that is what I studied in school and that I went to college and then graduate school and I studied painting primarily. But quilting was kind of always in the background for me. Once in a while, I would make a quilt when like a friend or a relative had their first baby, something like that. It was it was a hobby. It was something I did in my downtime. And around about, I want to say about 2014, I started learning about the modern quilting movement. And if you're not familiar with modern quilting, just Google this because it's, it's a fascinating world of contemporary quilting. And I started learning about this and I realized, oh my gosh, I am a modern quilter. I didn't know this before, but sometimes it, it's really good to give a name to something, you know. Painting was still my primary occupation. I was, a, and I still am a gallery artist. I'm a full-time working artist, and I was doing paintings and exhibiting those in galleries and on my website and all of that good stuff. But I started having this odd conversation with myself about what work I wanted to be doing. So painting started to feel like eating my vegetables, and quilting started to be like dessert. <laughs> so I started to say to myself, okay, you can't start another quilt until you finish your paintings. <laughs> And this, this was a gradual transition. I had to have that conversation with myself many times. But at one point, I finished up my obligations. I finished a series of paintings that was going into a gallery show. I had the show. And I said, okay, now I am going to try this other path. I'm going to start focusing on quilting full time. And I'm just going to see where that leads me. And I've been on that path ever since. Oh, that's so cool. cool. So you mentioned modern quilting. How is modern quilting different from perhaps what people think of as, as more traditional quilting? And that's another great question. <laughs> when you talk about any form of art and you start to apply terms to it and you start to apply parameters to it, you get in trouble like immediately, of course. But if we're speaking just very generally, modern quilting, I tend to call it contemporary quilting rather than modern quilting. There is an organization called the Modern Quilt Guild, and this started in the United States and it's now an international organization. And and if you are curious about kind of that realm of modern quilting, I would encourage you to go visit the 
Modern Quilt Guild's website and just kind of get an idea. A basic principle of modern or contemporary quilting is to look at traditional quilting, look at the traditions of the past, look at quilting history, and bring those traditions into contemporary life. Ask questions like, how does this tradition connect with my experience in the present day? How can this be updated in a way that's relevant to me, relevant to the materials that are available in the present day? How is it relevant to different design aesthetics that, of course, are always changing over time? And there's a lot of evolution there. And of course, every quilter will handle this differently. Every quilter it has a different aesthetic, a different style, a different way they like to work. And I really actually take a lot of influence from traditional quilting as well. Very cool. So what goes into designing one of your quilts? Like take us through the process. So how do you get an idea for a quilt, a certain pattern, a color, and, and then how, how does one even make a quilt? Okay, well, if you want to get technical about it, <laughs> the, the definition for a quilt that I see most often is two or usually three layers of material that are held together by stitches or by something resembling stitches. So layering is crucial to kind of what makes a quilt. And for me, when I set out to design a quilt, I don't really design a quilt because I'm actually an improvisational quilter. And what that means is that I don't follow a fixed pattern when I make a quilt. So for me, the, the origin of a quilt almost always starts with the material. What kind of fabric do I have on hand? And I quilters, we pass fabric around. It's, it's just like a never ending circle. We're always giving stuff to each other. We call it de-stashing. That's a nice way to put it. <laughs> but I am always collecting material. And that could mean quilting cottons like you would get in a normal fabric store. That could mean clothing that comes from a thrift store. It could mean my own clothing that's worn out and is no longer suitable for clothing, but I could use the material in a quilt. And lots and lots of other ways of getting material. So I'm attracted to the colors of the material, how it feels to the touch, and how it behaves when you put it in a quilt and when you put it next to other materials. So if you'll kind of go on the journey with me. I'll go to my, I'll go to a bin of fabric and I'll kind of like just pick some things out and put them on the table and kind of lay them out and ask, do these colors go together in a way that's interesting to me? And interesting doesn't have to mean beautiful. It doesn't have to mean pretty. It doesn't have to make sense. It just has to intrigue me in some way. So I lay out materials. I say, oh, well, this one doesn't really work, but I need some of that from over there. And I pull these things in together and I just start cutting and sewing things together without knowing how the final product is going to turn out. And I just keep going like that until I have something that is big enough, let's say, for my quilt purposes at the time. Very cool. Now, I know a little about quilting, not probably not, not that much, but sometimes I see that there's like different, when you talk about fastening the layers together, there's different ways to do that, right? Yes, so that's can right. You take us through how how does one do the the, the fastening? Sure. Well, are different um, ways I've, to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. There are different ways to quilt a quilt together to apply those stitches to hold layers together. And I've done several different ways. The most traditional way is to sew by hand, and so you have layers that you've secured together in some way, and you just take a needle and thread and you just sew through those three layers. Uh, just 
one stitch at a time. And that is, not only is that very traditional, but it's wonderfully meditative. It's something that you can do on your downtime while you're watching something, listening to something. A lot of people do this just for the enjoyment and the relaxation of it. Another way to quilt a quilt is by doing it on what we call a domestic or home sewing machine, which is like what you what you picture when somebody says sewing machine, like, like just a little tabletop model. It sits on your work table or wherever. And there's a there's another way called long arm quilting, which I have also done. And a long arm quilting frame, if you've never seen one before, it may be a little bit hard to picture, but if it's about the size of a small car and you stretch a quilt on a frame and instead of moving the fabric around underneath the sewing machine needle, like you would on a domestic or home machine, the sewing machine needle actually is on a rig that moves around over the quilt fabric. So it's a little bit different way of working, but it's, you can do big things very quickly that way without having to wrestle a quilt around. And uh, you can do a lot of really fancy, intricate kind of quilting patterns, which I don't usually do, but that is a really interesting, long arm quilting is a really interesting way of quilting a quilt. I've seen those at the Fancy Joann's. Sometimes they have them on the floor models and they just look so cool. It's basically They're like, actually, like, it's like painting on fabric almost with thread. It is like painting with thread. That is such a good way to put it. I often feel like I'm drawing or painting with thread when it, it or actually, let me, let me just extend that metaphor a little bit. I often feel like I'm painting with fabric when I'm constructing a quilt. And then I feel like I'm drawing a, with thread when I'm quilting the quilt. That is such a great way to put it. And in fact, I often feel like my background, my training in drawing and painting influences my quilting style in a huge way. And it helped me become comfortable with quilting in a way that I might not have gotten comfortable otherwise. Oh, that's so, that's so interesting. I, I love how your background coming together and it, it's so cool to see how those meet and mesh and create beautiful art. So I know sometimes people think of quilts primarily as bed coverings, but they can also just be works of art within themselves. So when you are generally creating a quilt, are, are you thinking of it as function, beauty, both, like, and does that influence your design when you make it? It does influence my design. So when I'm making a quilt, I may have an intention ahead of time of whether or not this is going to be a functional work of art. And I consider every quilt a work of art, no matter what. I don't care if it's a, a pot holder. I don't care if it's a tapestry that covers an entire room. Every quilt is a work of art, period. I don't bother drawing the distinction between what is and is not art. I just, I just said that whole argument aside. So what I do when in my own quilts that I make anyway, a distinction that I do make is whether or not this quilt can go through your washer and dryer. That's my benchmark for whether this is a wall hanging or whether this is a functional piece of art. And I do both. I do both. So the materials that I use, I will make decisions about materials based on whether or not I'm expecting somebody to put this quilt through their washer and dryer. So that that is a big consideration. Um, but I do make quilts that are meant to be used and abused. Like I make pot holders a lot and I have some for myself and you should see the pot holders that are in my kitchen. They're stained, they're scorched, they've got burn holes in them. They're like little threads are coming off, all this stuff. And that is on purpose. They're meant to be used that way. But I also have quilts that are more delicate. Like they may have materials in them that originally came from garments that were dry clean only. Like there might be wool, there might be silk, uh, there might be odd pieces of I'm 
not even sure what it is, but I wanted to put it in. So there are different paths that a quilt can take based on whether I intended to be used as functional art. So interesting, just what goes into that. And I love that functional art. I think everything should be functional art. Well, everything is in a way. I, I agree. I think every work of art serves a function, even if that function is just for you to look at it and enjoy it that way. That's a function too. For sure. So do you have a favorite quilt that you've ever made or a favorite quilt that you've ever gone to a museum and seen and just felt really inspired oh. by? Oh gosh. I think the first question is easier to answer. So I'll start with that. Um, I have a quilt that here that I made recently and periodically I make a quilt that's just for myself. Often I'll make a quilt with any, the intention of giving it to someone or displaying it in a gallery. But sometimes I make quilts that I intend to keep just for myself. And I recently made a quilt that was just about the experience of joy, just the visual pleasure of colors that I love and I don't care if anyone else loves them. And I put weird things together just because it made me happy. And so that's, that's a quilt that I finished recently. And that's the function that that one serves. It's just to remind me that it's okay to make something just for my own pleasure. As far as quilts that I have seen out in the world that have influenced me, I do, I do have a book here and I will send you um, a link on where to find this book. A couple of years ago, I visited the International Quilt Museum and Study Center in Lincoln, Nebraska, which is a fantastic place to visit. Even if you're not super into quilting, like if you're in Lincoln, Nebraska, you need to go to this place. And they had a show of quilts up that all the quilts were from India. And there were so many different styles that completely brought into question what I think of as a quilt, like how a quilt is supposed to look, how a quilt is supposed to function, what a quilt is supposed to be made of, you know, my preconceived notions about quilting are very Eurocentric in nature. And so seeing this exhibition of quilts from India was very, very mind opening as to what a quilt can be and how a quilt can be made. And it was, and they were absolutely gorgeous. So colorful, so joyful, just the exuberance on display has influenced me as an artist in a big way. Oh, that's wonderful. Can you take us through like what some of the different styles from that exhibition that you saw versus the more perhaps what people think of as the quote-unquote traditional Eurocentric construction of a quilt? That's a great question. I, I could try, but I would probably get a lot of things wrong. Oh. <laughs> and instead, I think I will just, I'll just send you a link to some information about this exhibition and hopefully a link to where people can get the catalog to and see that for themselves. Oh, and so I'm sorry, I'm not going to be able to answer that question very well. That's okay. That's, that's perfectly fine. That's perfectly fine. So, so you mentioned several times about where you had quilts on exhibition. Can you tell us some of those places that where you've had you know your painting your your quilts your art on display and and what is it like to go and and see this quilt that you've created in this different space with other people oh it's so interesting so I do show my quilts in galleries as I have shown my paintings in galleries for many years and one place where I get to do this is a cerulean gallery which has two locations one in Amarillo Texas and one in Dallas Texas cerulean is a gallery that I've been working with for several years. They're wonderful people and they have done a fantastic job both of, of showing my drawings and paintings and my quilt. So they stayed with me through my transition
transition from painting into quilting. And I'm very grateful for that. And to see, it's so funny seeing a work of art that I have finished and seeing it on a gallery wall, because suddenly it has becomes like way more special. It, it A gallery, even if it's, you know, a gallery is different from a museum, but it's still a more formalized context than when I have something on my work table at home. When, when I'm making a work of art, whether this is a quilt or something else, you know, I drop it on the floor accidentally, or I'm eating lunch next to it or things like that. It, and, and I'm touching it constantly, touching, touching, touching. And then it goes off to the gallery, which is a no touch environment, which is a sensible thing to do. I'm totally on board with that, but it's, interesting seeing it in a whole different context than what than the context in which I made it. So if someone wanted to start getting into this long tradition of quilting, where where would someone start? What would your advice be to someone who's like, you know what, I've listened to this podcast about quilting. It sounds so cool. I want to get involved. What, what would be the next steps? Oh, I would love for people to get into quilting just because it sounds fun, because I promise you, it really, really is. And I do want to say that quilting doesn't mean that you have to follow a pattern. Quilting does not mean that you have to get something perfect. Quilting is about self-expression as much as it is about tradition. So your quilts, no matter what quilt you make, your quilt is special because you made it. And I want people to not feel pressured to make quilts in a certain way. That being said, YouTube is your best friend. YouTube is my best friend whenever I want to learn something new. And I will send you links to a couple of YouTube channels in particular that I think have a great series of uh, beginner just starting out videos. So you also create quilts for different people, correct? So if you commission quilts, someone can commission a quilt for you? From you? Um, I, I occasionally do commissions. Okay. Yes. I wasn't sure if that was something you wanted to advertise in this podcast or. I think I'm, I'm not really taking commissions right now. So we, and we will not. That aside, which is fine. <laughs> That's totally fine. I do often make quilts that I intend to give to someone. My local quilt guild here in central Oklahoma, we have been partnering with our local VA hospital, Veterans Hospital. And they have a program where when a veteran enters what they call palliative care or end of life care. That veteran is gifted with a quilt and they have a ceremony to honor that veteran's service and sacrifice and their life. And it's a really beautiful thing. And giving them a quilt is a part of that. So people in my local quilt guild, we make quilts to donate to this specifically. And that's something that I have really, really enjoyed doing. To make a quilt with the intention of giving it as a gift, especially to somebody that I've never met before, someone I don't even know, is completely different from making a quilt and intending to market it online, sell it in a gallery, that kind of thing. It's a different mindset. And making a quilt that I intend to give to someone means that I, in my mind, I free myself up a lot. I can experiment more. I can play more. I know the quilt is going to go to someone who will appreciate it. I know it's going to go to a good home. And it's something that I feel connects me to the tradition of giving quilts as gifts. Because especially in the United States, um, quilts are traditional gifts for, especially for life's big transitions, birth, marriage, death, honoring somebody who has passed. Uh, that's a big part of the quilting tradition. And I get to be a part of that too. Oh, that's wonderful. And it does also seem like there's a long history of quilts bringing communities together, like quilting bees and coming together to work on pe different people's quilts or providing a square. You know, everyone makes a square and putting that together. It really seems to symbolize community. So 
So would you say that going forward, even now, you're talking about your your quilting guild. So that sense of community is still there. Can you tell us a little bit more about about your quilting guild? Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, this is another piece of advice for people who are looking to get into quilting for the first time. Chances are you are probably already surrounded by quilters and you don't even know it. Like we're, we're kind of, we kind of hide in the background a little bit, but we are everywhere. I've, I've had the good fortune to travel a bit around the United States. And I find that even, even the smallest towns, the smallest communities that I have been through, they have a fabric shop, they have a quilt guild. Quilters are everywhere. So that's another great way to get into quilting and learn a lot about quilting from, from your friends and neighbors is to join Google your local quilting guild. You'll find something. So quilting guilds are just a, a beautiful way to bring people together, to share knowledge, to share creativity, to encourage one another. And I have learned so much from my fellow quilters. And also I felt very, very welcomed. Both times that I have moved to a new place and joined a quilting guild, um, I felt welcomed immediately. I felt like, yes, you, we love for you to be a part of this community, share what you do. We want to see it and we'll share what we do with you. And that is a really important part of quilting culture. Quilting and community really go hand in hand. Um, I work independently at home most of the time, uh, but I also have contributed, like you were saying, a quilt block or some material or some, some of the process and labor into making group quilts, quilts that many people work on, which is so much fun. And it's a great way to uh, learn about what other people do and to create something new that no individual would have created all by themselves. Oh, and on that topic, I do want to share a little bit about a very special collaboration that I'm a part of right now. This is called the Quaint Collaboration. And Quaint stands in for Quilting Plus Painting, Quilt Plus Paint Collaboration. And the idea for this collaboration came from an artist who lives in my area. His name is Jason Wilson, and he's a painter. And he, his painting is in a very hard edge geometric abstract style. He's an acrylic painter, very, very precise. And he is heavily influenced by the quilters in his family, the quilters who came before him, his grandmother's great grandmothers. And so that the quilting influences his painting style in a big way. And he, a couple of years ago, started to connect with other, with local quilters who are working today and suggested, what if we kind of trade ideas back and forth? What if I make paintings based on your quilts? What if you make quilts based on my paintings? And we actually, so a group of us came together to form this collaboration. And we actually have a show that is up right now. It's going to be up through the end of August, 2021. And this is at the Leslie Powell Foundation Gallery in Lawton, Oklahoma. Oklahoma, and I will send you a link to this. And you, if you follow us on Facebook, you can see a lot of pictures of what we've done together. So that's another interesting way. It's not quite the same as a quilting guild, but it's a way for creators to get together and exchange ideas and promote each other's creativity. Oh, that's so cool. I love that. And also it's so... It brings together your your two your your painting and your quilting again like it just exactly yes yeah for me painting and quilting have huge influences on one another and it's nice to know I'm not alone in that yeah that's so cool now before we end is there anything that you wish I had asked you that or that you wanted to talk about that we haven't gotten to yet oh I thought of something okay just real briefly we've talked a bit about modern quilting about contemporary quilting and kind of how I work in an improvisational style however 
there is a very special, warm, cozy place in my heart for the traditional log cabin quilt block. This is my all-time favorite traditional quilt block, the log cabin. It's very, very simple. It's timeless. It's classic. You can make endless variations on it. It's a square surrounded by rectangles. So if you're if you're not sure what that looks like, just Google log cabin quilt block and you will see all the myriad ways that people have interpreted this. And so occasionally I just like to kind of settle down, cozy up and make myself a log cabin quilt. That's wonderful. Could you tell us a little bit more about like what perhaps the more quote unquote traditional quilt blocks might look like or a, a couple that just come to your mind? Sure. Um, I think what you will often see in what we think of as traditional quilting in the United States, and by the way, what we think of as traditional quilting in the United States is basically Eurocentric, comes from Europe. And I do want to say that I am hugely influenced by African-American quilt making as well, which has a whole other kind of mentality, aesthetic methods of working from Eurocentric quilt ideas. And I would encourage people to explore all the different methods of quilt making that we have here in the United States, because there are many and influenced by many, many different cultures. So what, what we probably think of as traditional quilting in the United States, you will see a geometric pattern repeated over and over. So there's repetition, pattern, regularity, and quilters may vary patterns by using fabrics that are different colors, that are light versus dark, that are plain versus they have a, a pattern or a print to them. But the primary elements are squares, triangles, rectangles, repeated over and over in an endless variation of patterns. Oh, okay. That's very interesting because not that our wonderful audience can see, but you have this incredibly beautiful quilt behind you that is, it is to me, it looks like a, it's rectangles and squares, but it's not all the same. It's different. So different lengths, different widths, different ways to do that. And as I'm looking at it, how, when you work in an improvised style, how do you get it to all fit together? <laughs> Oh, uh, that's the tricky part. Okay. Um, I kind of work in sections. So for, for the one that you see behind me, I took three or four fabrics and I cut them into strips and I sewed those strips together until they form what I call a chunk. And I'll set that chunk aside and then kind of repeat the process with a different set of fabrics and do that a bunch of times and then start laying out the chunks to kind of see how they want to relate to one another, how they might. I think of them as they, they talk to each other. They have conversations. This one, wants to say hello to that one over there. And this one maybe has something to say to this one down here, but they're like whispering. It's real quiet, that kind of thing. So uh, there's a lot of moving stuff around and, and nothing ever comes in when I am making a quilt anyway, nothing ever comes out precisely the way that it, you know, it should really. Um, so I end up like kind of smashing chunks together and I, and I have to trim a little bit off this end or that end, but that's okay. That like, that is part of the improvisational process. You, I get surprised during the process. Oh, that's, I think that's so fun. The quilt surprises you. Again, anything else that you would like to talk about before we end? Well, I think we've probably covered it. I, I do want to, let's see, um, yeah, I'm trying to think of a good way to put it. I mentioned very briefly that um, I have learned a lot and I'm very, very influenced by African-American quilt makers, especially when it comes to working in an improvisational style, which is what fits me the best in terms of my style of making quilts. And if you learn anything about African-American quilt makers, you probably have heard of the G's Bend quilters. And I would love for more people to know about 
about the quilters of G's Bend and learn about them. And you can do that at the Souls Grown Deep Foundation online. And I will send you a link to that website. I think it's really, really important that uh, people learn about this uh, this community and this style of quilt making and how it has influenced uh, many, many, many contemporary quilt makers today. I, when I was an intern at the Georgia Museum of Art, they actually had an exhibit there on G's Ben's quilters. And oh my gosh, yeah, it was, it was really, really cool to, to look at and serious to the stories behind the quilts too. Um, were incredible. It was, it was a really, really cool exhibit. Oh, I bet that was just splendid. Oh, it was, it was. And yeah, it, it reminds me like what you said, it reminded me of like your, your style too, is the somewhat improvisational finding fabrics, the different way the fabrics talk to each other and the stories behind the fabrics are very important. And it, it's intriguing and, and beautiful in its own way. And just, just so, so interesting. The, the history, especially behind G's Bend um, itself, the history of the place where the people and the, the art comes from. Yeah, um, it's, it's a fascinating history and, and it's a really important history too. So thank you so much, Sarah, for coming and onto our podcast today. It was so interesting getting to talk about all types of quilting with you. It's a long, long history from so many different parts of the world that come together and create beauty and community and it's it's wonderful and I I've never I've kind of made one quilt when I was younger but I want to try to make you've inspired me to make another quilt <laughs> awesome awesome that's great I I think quilting is super fun and I hope more people get into it because it's a beautiful expression of the way we live life oh, that's a beautiful way to say it so to all of our listeners out there thank you so much for joining us we hope you enjoyed this conversation and until next time we'll talk to you later bye Then Again is a production of the Cottrell Digital Studio at the Northeast Georgia History Center. Be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. It really helps other people discover the show. There are a few great ways to support the History Center. Make a donation online by clicking the Donate button on our website at www.negahc.org. Become a digital member to receive exclusive invites to members-only live streams every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern. And you can register on our membership page at www.negahc.org. We also have an online gift shop with lots of great items for all ages. Use promo code THENAGAIN for 15% off your online order. Valid on anything except memberships and handmade items. We'll see you next week for another episode of Then Again. Thanks, y'all.